0: your Bibles with me this morning? Your Bible, your iPad, your laptop, your desktop, your tablet, whatever you got, would you hold it up with me and let's declare it together, this is my Bible, I am what it says I am, I have what it says I have, I can do what it says I can do, I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you that you are powerfully present here. You are powerfully present all across this globe. You are working powerfully in the midst of the agenda of darkness, causing your kingdom to take back territory that the enemy had stolen empowering your body to rise up and to be who you've called them to be in these days. And I thank you that we are not in the bleacher watching. We are on the center field with you. Before we begin today, Holy Spirit, I ask for a fresh anointing. I ask you would take literal possession of me, my mind, my mouth, every part of me. I invite you to flow through me that I would only say what I hear you say and do what I would see you do. With the authority you have given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic bird that would seek to snatch the seeds that are going to be sown, and I command you to be outside the walls of this building in Jesus' name. And I command every entity that would seek to interfere, I command you now to be silent. I declare that you will in no way distract or interfere with what's going to take place today. I thank you, Father, that you have prepared every heart and every mind to receive a word that will be transforming. I believe, Father, there's not one person in this building by mistake. I believe there's not one person who's watching via YouTube by mistake. I believe today that you are releasing a word that will change your body and wake it up. And so every angel assigned to minister into war, you are released now to accomplish the will of the Father. And by faith, we say thank you in advance for what's going to happen today. We believe we will never be the same again. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. How many of you here last week when we talked about the 80-20 rule? Most of you. Let me just give it to you quickly again. I began last week by talking about the fact that for a lot of years, I was a very dysfunctional dad in my family. My kids and I on Saturday morning would take off and leave my wife at home all day Saturday to do all the housework and all the laundry and do all the whole work while we went off and we went to the park and we went biking and we did all the great stuff. We'd come back at 5 o'clock expecting supper and wanting to do something with her and she was so tired, it's like, what's wrong? I was wrong. Talked last week about how that spilled into the body where I became a dysfunctional spiritual leader and I empowered the church to function with an 80-20 rule. Allowing 20% of the church to do 80% of the work and 80% of the people to sit on there and do 20% of the work. And I allowed that for years. Just want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever known a pastor who has burned out? Would you just raise your hand? Yes. How many of you have known anybody in your life who has burned out? Yes. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever burned out or been on the verge of burnout? Don't raise your hand. The reality is the design of the enemy is to cause some people to be over-responsible, and while they are, to cause other people to be irresponsible. Some of you are in marriages that way, where you have been over-responsible, doing more than you should, and empowering your spouse to be irresponsible. For some of you wives, you have been that to your husbands, and for some of you husbands, you are that way with your wives. That is dysfunction in relationship. When the father began speaking to me and saying, Colin, you are empowering a dysfunctional family, I had to go through a wake-up call, and God moved me from an 80-20 to 100-100. The picture in our home on a Saturday morning was, what do we have to do today? and all five of us for the next two hours did what has to be done so that after that's finished, all of us are free to do what we would like to do. There are the have-dos and the want-tos. And so we began by looking at the picture last week. We brought up ten chairs, and I asked two people to pick up five each while the other eight stood and watched them. For those of you here, you know what that was all about. That was one picture. Today I need to give you another one. Before we do that, if you would just write this down, I don't want to, for the sake of time, I don't want to look them up. Would you write down 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12? Just write it down. You can look it up later. The Apostle Paul says this. He goes, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of us' parts are many, they form one body. He says, so it is with Christ. Down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, And each one of you is a part of it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, As each part does its work, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. I need to show you what the Lord showed me this morning. Well, He showed me earlier, but I got to show it to you this morning. Josh, could I have you come to the front? The 80-20 rule, if you could just stand right here, the 80-20 rule says that 20% of the body is doing what it should be, and 80% of the body is not doing what it should be. Now, if I was in a different place and I had a machete and I said, "Okay, I would like to cut off 80% of Josh's body and only leave 20% to do its work, you would get the image really clearly. I'd need a chicken to do that, but I'm not going to do a chicken either. But I do want to ask you a question because I want you this morning to get the picture the Lord showed me a long time ago. I want you to get a picture of how functional the body of Christ is today. And I'm going to make it really clear. You are going to help me identify how much of the body needs to not be doing its job in order for a person just to use a cane. And my hope is that a pile of churches are only cane churches because a small percentage of the body is dysfunctional, but the rest is working. We're going to talk about the church that actually needs crutches because it's majorly crippled. We're going to talk about the church that actually is needing a walker because it doesn't have the strength. So much of its body is not working. And then we're going to talk about the church that is in a wheelchair because 80% of it is not functional, and actually it needs somebody to push it. I want to ask you a question, and I want to get it inside of you, and truthfully, I'll tell you straight up, I really don't care about where any other body of Christ is out there. The one across the street, the one down the road, I really don't care about that, because that is underneath somebody else's charge, not mine. Just like I didn't care what our neighbor down the road did, whether that dad was dysfunctional and empowered the 80-20, I couldn't care what happens in that home. I couldn't care what happens across the road. I cared about my home. And the issue is, if my family or the spiritual body of Christ was in a wheelchair and we're going, man, aren't we effective? Aren't we powerful? Aren't we doing what God's called us to do? And yet we are having to be pushed because we're so dysfunctional. That's the picture of much of the body of Christ. But can I tell you, not here. I want you just to do this with me for a moment. The most difficult part of this sermon will be getting the tape off. I want you to think about what are the parts of Josh's body that need to not be working properly in order to bring him to the point where he needs a cane. I just want you to speak it out. Lower back. Knee. Hip. Hip. Or tips, ankle, maybe toes, thighs. Oh, eyes? I didn't say it, Josh. I'll just go above so you can keep on seeing. Beautiful, Josh. The brain? Huh? The heel, possibly the heel. Okay? So I just want you to think about how many parts are in the body some of you medical people, how many parts? Lots. Thanks for that scientific number. That's awesome. I want you to think and it doesn't take all of these, but if there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten possibly 10 we've identified that would make Josh need to have to use the cane. We're talking 10 members of his body that would bring him to the point where we'd look and we'd say you need to have support because you can't do what a healthy body can do. I want you to think about this again. If this is a body that has 100 parts in it and 10 parts are not doing what they should be or called to be or healthy, it requires this church to walk with a cane. Now, can you imagine for a moment if Jesus walked into every church in Canada and all he did was stand at the front and he brought a prop and he said, Here's the picture of what you are. This is kind of what he did in the book of Revelation, isn't it? Looked at seven churches and said, I want to give you a picture of what you are. Can you imagine if Jesus walked into this church 15 years ago and he wheeled a wheelchair to the front and he said, this is the picture of the church. You are so incredibly crippled. You need to be pushed around on a chair. And yet you think you're functional? Yet you think you're doing what God's called you to do in the body? Yet you think you're going out into the world and doing what the world, what the world needs the healthy church to do? If 10 members of the body were ailing or not functioning, it would be a church that requires a cane. i got to tell you again, I wish that every church only required a cane. The church that is empowered by the 80-20 rule has 80% of it that's dysfunctional and 20% of it that is over-functional, which means 100% of it is dysfunctional. We'll get there. I want you to see the cane church has about 10 parts that require the cane. Josh, would you come over here? to transfer from a cane to crutches. How many of you have ever used crutches in your life? Wow. A pile, including me. Boxing day, 2000, skidoo accident, broke my tibia and fibula. Six months, walking on a cane. Didn't go in and do surgery. They put my leg back after my, you know how it is, when it breaks, your leg just fell right over like this, right? They cut my boot off, I was very sad. Lifted my foot up. My bones popped into place, they put a cast on, six months later I took it off. Didn't need surgery, didn't need a pin, haven't felt it since. What is required? How many more parts have to be dysfunctional to get to the crutches? What else, tell me? Legs. I'm gonna just make, yeah, nerves, weak boy. What else? Fatigue will be a symptom. I wanna know the body parts are not working that requires them to use crutches. Huh? Yeah, how do we do all that? Okay, that represents muscles. What else? Huh? Yeah, lower. And back. What else? Could be inner ear. It's true. Balance. It's really true. What else? Huh? Yeah, I got both toes done. Could be a pile, yep, I'll just, I'll just do both feet. Could be the ankle, yep, I got one, I'll do the other. All I want you to see is, Gene? Oh, yeah, that affect a whole bunch of joints, right? Oh, man, how do I do that? I'm just going to put it around here like this. I'll just do it around the knee. You're getting the picture, right? as more of the body parts become either dysfunctional or don't work at all, gets to the point where he can't just use one, but he needs to use both. And I want you to just think again. How many churches... Well, can I just ask, first of all, how many, what percentage of the body is not functioning in order to have to use crutches? Sometimes just one, but as a whole, how many have we done here? What, what percentage? Maybe. Maybe 30 truthfully sometimes it's like 15 or 20% right it's a small amount that's dysfunctional and a person needs to have crutches can i ask you the crutches how much does it inhibit how much different between him on crutches and me not on crutches what's the difference what would the difference be of a body of christ that was healthy and fully functioning and a body of christ that was on crutches what what would be the difference grand kenya We're already talking with only 10, 15, 20% dysfunctional body. We're already talking that this body is so dysfunctional that it can't do a fraction of what it's been called to do. Let's make it even worse. Josh, put those down. Come over here. How many of you have ever needed a walker in your life? The number's narrowing. The number's narrowing because the intensity of injury, the body parts that aren't working, increase as you get to the point. And I didn't even bring... A hospital bed over here where a person is bound, and yet there are churches that are on the hospital bed. We won't talk about that. What other body parts have to be dysfunctional to move to a walker? Brain. More of the brain. How do we do the blood? Yeah, I could, that's a good one, Josh. Oh, yeah, that's good. He just donated. What else? The mouth? Oh, you're, you're jumping ahead of me. What else? What else has to be dysfunctional here? Inner ear, so we'll do the other one as well. Huh? You're just saying that so you get a piece of tape on it, aren't you? Both nostrils. And then someone's going to say the mouth. I know you're going to say that. No. The neck. Absolutely. Yeah, shoulders. No question. What else? The pelvic area. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I already got that side. Lungs. Yep, abdomen area. Okay, by the time you get to the walker, what percentage of the body is struggling, hurting, dysfunctional, not able to do what it should do? What percentage are we at? Could be 50%, could be 40%, could be 60 Okay, when you see someone downtown and they are walking through Walmart with their walker and this is how they're going, what percentage would you say that they are not able to accomplish the way a healthy body could? And you go flying by them like this, which the healthy church does. What percentage, guys? I want you to think about this. Think about this. Even if 50% of his body was struggling and he needed to walk her, that 50% would would affect about 95% of his functionability. You hear what I'm saying? If 50% are not doing what they're called to do, it's going to affect 95, maybe 98 of what the body can do. It's not proportional. Let's talk about the 80-20 rule. Josh, can you come over here? By the time a person gets to the wheelchair, I can't do this. I'd love to. But I would love to go 80% of Josh's body, 80% of it, you need to see, 80% is covered with tape, that his body, he can't walk, his organs, his whatever. He is such to the point. Would you sit down in the chair, Josh? 80% of his body makes it so that he cannot function. In fact, he might be able to pedal a little bit with his hands, but as a whole, he is dependent upon someone else to push him. If I, as a spiritual parent, empowered 80% of this church, like we talked last week, to come, to sit down, to get up, to walk out, and do zero of what it takes in order for a church family to work. If I empowered that, what I would be empowering is the picture of a church in a wheelchair where someone else has to do what you're supposed to be able to do, but you've been empowered to do nothing. The dysfunctional 80% would require the church to push you. I want to give you one verse. Josh, can you hang in there for a second? Don't go anywhere, Josh. Would you write down Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 And I want you to get the picture of what the Apostle Paul says that we as the body, we as members of the body, what we are called to do. He says this, let us run the race that is set before us. He didn't say let us wheelchair the race that is set before us. He didn't say sit on the sideline and watch someone else do what you as a part of the body are called to do. You sit there as a spectator eating popcorn while 20% are over-responsible and burning up. He didn't say that. What did he say? As a body? Now I want to tell you again bluntly, I don't care what's happening in the other 29 churches across our city. Yes, I do. I pray for them. But in this area, I really don't care. That is up to the spiritual parent. What I care about is, what is the picture of this body? If somebody came to you and said, would you describe the church that you go to, would the first thing out of your mouth go, we are a church that runs You will not find a part of this body that is unhealthy. You will not find a part of this body that is dysfunctional. You will not find a part of this body that is lazy. You will not find a part of this body that is in a wheelchair. You will find a body that runs. It is healthy. It knows its part. It's working together. It is doing what God has called it. Would that be the first thing out of your mouth if somebody said, describe the church you go to 16 years ago? And the Lord began speaking to me about the dysfunction in my life as a spiritual leader that I empowered a church, this church, to be a wheelchair church where 80% of the body was dysfunctional and was not only not running, but they were not doing their part. The Holy Spirit said, Call, before the family will ever change, the spiritual parent has to change. I want to say it to you again, some of you spiritual heads of your homes, You look at your family and you recognize it's not functioning the way you've called, go way God's called it to function. I don't want you to look at your spouse. I don't want you to look at your children. I want you to look at you and go, God, this family obviously is the way it is because I'm the spiritual head and I've let it be this way. Would you begin with me? Would you begin changing me? God had to change me from being a wheelchair father to a walker father to a crutch father to a cane father. And my prayer is we'll get to the day when we throw the cane away and go, we're not even a cane church. There's not even 5% of this body that is dysfunctional and lazy and doesn't know its part and not doing what it's been called to do. We are a church that runs! I said to you last week, when God began changing us as a church, moving us from an 80-20 movie theater church into a church that began to function 100-100, can I just say, there were some people not happy with that. There are some people who just want to come into the church, they want to sit down, they want the movie theater experience that like we talked about last week. They want to get up and go, and they leave all their popcorn, all their mess, all their coffee, all their stuff all over the floor just thinking that some young person with a broom and a blue uniform is going to come and clean up after them. That mentality has been in the church for years and years and years. I told you last week, if that's what you're looking for, I can help you find one. The word that Arnold gave this morning about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church by restoring it, bringing it to a place of health in these latter days for us to be what God has called us to be I believe that word about the church is moving the church in Canada from the wheelchair to the running church. I believe that's what's going on. I'm so thankful that God began to give us the picture of that 16 years ago so we could begin to eliminate that dysfunction, get rid of the movie theater mentality, and bring us to the point where, God, I'm a part of this body. Which part am I? got to find out. And once I know which part I am, I've got to find out what I do. And once I know what part I am and what I do, I'm going to start functioning in that role because I do not want to contribute to the wheelchair church. I don't want you to answer out loud. If Jesus did walk in here and he looked at this church and he said, I'm going to tell you in a moment what kind of a church you are, what is the picture you think he put in front of us? Now I want to ask you one more question. If he came to you and he said, I want to know if you know what part of the body you are. And I want to know if you are contributing to a wheelchair church or if you know your part, you're doing your part, so that the body is 100% functional, building itself up, accomplishing the purpose for which God gave it, and we are a church that runs. We just don't wheelchair. We actually run. Don't raise your hand. How many of you would know that part that you are? And after knowing it, how many of you would say, I know what part I am, and I am growing and developing, functioning. My part of the body, if all I am is an elbow, I'm making darn sure that my elbow is working because I do not want to contribute to a crippled body. I want to ask you that question. Thank you, Josh. Can we give him a hand? I want to show you one thing today. If you have that list, I would like you to take it out. Jane, would you, um, would you just go and grab in our office those lists? They're on my chair there. Just want to hand it out to people who don't have it. I want to just focus on one thing today very briefly before we close. You're going to be hearing more and more about this in the days and weeks that are coming. But I want to share with you what the Holy Spirit has been laying laying upon our heart. The picture that the Lord has given is that the area of prayer ministry in our church has been kind of changing and growing and taking different shape than it has been in the last little while. Just raise your hand if you don't have one of these white sheets. Just raise your hand. Jane will bring them around. I want you to look on the white sheet. I want you to go down about uh, oh, seven or eight. I want you to go to the healing room. Don't check any of them off today. We talked about last time. Don't check any. I want you to pray about it. The healing room is a part of it. The intercessory prayer is a part of it. The prayer network is a part of it. I want to just share something with you and then we'll talk more about it. In the church we have had a couple of different ministries. Intercessory Prayer has been a ministry every Tuesday evening. We have opened it up from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock for people to come. And the entire focus of the evening is to intercede about those things that the Holy Spirit lays upon their heart. From local things all the way to international, all across this globe, as the Holy Spirit lays upon their heart, they intercede, they take two hours and they do that. Some of you know all about that. You've been a part of that ever since it began. One of the areas of prayer ministry has been the healing room ministry. Every Tuesday, in another part of the building, at 7 o'clock, teams come together. It was in the past that people who were needing prayer would come in. They would go into the room. They would be prayed for, anointed with oil. They would leave. The healing room was available every Tuesday evening from 7 till 9. The healing room ministry has kind of changed its focus over time, has always been open to pray for healing, but especially in the midst of the agenda that's going on in the world, the healing room has changed to the place where people as a whole are not coming in because of what's going on, but instead, the team waits on the Lord, God drops names on them, they wait on the Lord, they get a word, scripture, a vision, they phone the person, they impart to them and say, this is what God laid on their heart for you today, and then they have prayer ministry over them. How many of you have been prayed for by the Healing Room Ministry over these last number of months? Just raise your hand high. Yes. How many of you have been blessed by the Healing Room Ministry as they phoned you? Most all the same. We have come to recognize that that ministry has become incredibly powerful in the lives of people. In fact, what it has done is it made it so that we as a church are not waiting for people to come. We as a church are actually waiting on the Lord, and through the phone call, we are going. Reaching into homes, reaching into vehicles, reaching into people's lives, imparting to them. I said this to the healing room the one night, as the whole, I was just praying about it, and I said, can you imagine getting a phone call, somebody phones you and says, we've been waiting on the Lord for you? These are the words that God has dropped on our hearts concerning you, and we just want to tell you what God has spoken over you. Can you imagine getting that kind of a phone call and the impact it would make? I want to ask you this bluntly. Apart from getting a phone call from the healing room, how many of you have ever had a phone call where someone went, I've been waiting on God, God has dropped this on me, and I need to share this with you. How many of you have ever got a phone call like that in your life? Three. Can I just say to you, I think we all need that. The one night I went into the healing room, we we meet from 6 to 7 and pray ahead of time. I leave, they carry on. I said to them, I said, if you have time at the end of this evening, would you phone me? I said, I would love for you to wait on the Lord for me to get what God's depositing, and for you to phone me. I'll pick it up and hear what God is saying, and then for you to pray over me. Can I tell you, they never phoned me? Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? because they had a whole pile of other names that God dropped on them, and as the evening went and unfolded, by the time they got to nine o'clock, sometimes that team doesn't get out of here till 9.30, because they are just so swamped with the ministry that's going on in the end, they didn't phone me. I was totally fine with not being phoned. But I wanna tell you, I was looking forward to that team, because I know the teams that go in there, I was looking forward to what would, God would drop in their hearts, and what would be imparted to me. That is an area that we are not going to change. What we are going to change is the distinction between the prayer for healing and the phone ministry. We're a church that believes in 100% healing. We as a church believe that there isn't a single physical issue a person can have that Jesus didn't die for in the cross of Calvary. We're a church that believes that Jesus, the name of Jesus, is higher than cancer. The name of Jesus is higher than diabetes. The name of Jesus is higher than COVID. The name of Jesus is higher. Just name me one that's not higher. We know what Jesus died for. We know what he paid for. The issue isn't what Jesus did. The issue is usually us receiving what he did. So we need to grow in that area as well. I I will never forget. I will never forget. When we began this... I've used this forever. I'm going to use it until Jesus comes back. Keevan, who was part of Healing Room Ministry in Sherwood Park for years, he shared a story. He said there was one person who came to the healing room. They had cancer. They were believing. They came back every week for nine months and prayed, got prayed for for healing. He was going like, we prayed for you, but okay, you come back. We'll pray for you again. Week after week after week. After nine and some months, the person was healed. I think that's a little like the persistent woman. The issue wasn't the judge. The issue isn't the healer. The issue is, i got to get things straight in my life until I get healed. Whatever's got to change, God, I'll do it. Can you imagine in your marriage having an issue and you have one conversation that doesn't go well and you go, well, we tried. We have one conversation, so I guess our marriage is done. Can you imagine? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you needed to have more than one conversation over one issue in order to get it worked through? The area of healing is an area that I believe is going to become more and more critical in the days. We're going to be taking this area of prayer ministry. There are some of you, I will say it really clearly, some of you have the gift of healing. Some of you have the gift of healing, laying on of hands. When you lay on hands and you pray, people are healed. Some of you have the gift. We're all called to do it, but some of you have the gift. That gift needs to be continuing in this church it is going to become something that is totally separate, another wing over here. I want to show you one more. God has been laying on our heart a desire to begin reaching our Jerusalem. I want you to get this picture. I want you to imagine on a, let's just say a Tuesday evening, because that seems to be our prayer evening here, I want you to imagine on a Tuesday evening that a team of three people from our church who have a heart for Jerusalem. They come to the church. They take a period of time. They wait on God and they go, God, where in our Jerusalem, where in Camros, do you want us to go tonight? Where do you want us to pray? Where do you want us to declare? Where do you want us to worship? Where do you want us to do whatever you want us to do? Where do you want us to go tonight? As a prayer team, we're going to go to that place in Jerusalem and we're going to impart in that place what it is you're wanting us to do. That team comes in. They wait on God. God lays on them that they are to go to one of our elementary schools in town here. They go, okay. Don't know why? Why, God, you want us to go? All of a sudden, God begins to download Scripture, download things that he wants them to pray. He actually shows them that when they get there, this is what they're supposed to do and they begin writing that down, they finish that, they get in their vehicle, they drive over to that elementary school, Then for the next hour, all they do is impart what God laid on them, they speak the words, they sing the song, they read out the scripture, they walk around, they anoint whatever they need to do, they lay in the ground, whatever God calls them to do, they finish it, they get back up, they come, and they process at the end. Can you imagine that happening with six teams every Tuesday going out and touching our Jerusalem through prayer? I'll tell you what's being imparted over and over And we've talked about this before. Jesus never said at the end of it, he goes, guys, just huddle in your church and wait for them to come. If you build it. That's Hollywood. If you build it, they will come. That's Hollywood. Jesus goes, build it. But you have to go to build it. I don't want you to answer out loud. Can you imagine if the 30 churches in Camrose every week got together waited on god and began to go out into their jerusalem sometimes to people's homes sometimes to businesses sometimes to cults sometimes to universities wherever he called them can you imagine 30 churches with all their prayer ministries going out in jerusalem and praying in obedience to what the Holy? how long do you think it would take for our jerusalem to change can i ask you one thing when is the last time you drove around in an the evening and saw a group of people surrounding a false religion in our community and they were worshiping they were praying they were anointing with oil just tell me the last time you saw that anybody can i ask you just one crazy question are are we called to be salt and light are we i got to tell you this this vision that chad gave this morning is going to resonate in my spirit for a heck a heck of a long time some of you can't even remember it it just went like this didn't even didn't even spark in you some of you it is burning and you're going God, that's me. You're calling me. Can I tell you, there's a reason why God is calling us to begin to reach our Jerusalem. Because our Jerusalem will never walk through these doors. Our Jerusalem did not walk into the door of any church in Camberwell this morning. Our Jerusalem did not do that. The Jerusalem is waiting for the church to go to them. And let me just tell you what you already know. Do we battle against flesh and blood? We battle against what? Principalities. Against powers. Can I tell you, these people going out, these teams going out into our Jerusalem, they're not going to confront people. They're not going to challenge leaders. They're not going to go to cult leaders. They're not going to go to people who are, are... working in bars or owning bars or or casino, they're not going to go to those people because that's not where the battle is won. What I want you to see is the prayer ministry that God is calling us as a church to is going to begin taking a little different face. One last story before we end. How many of you don't know the name of Dutch Sheets? Just raise your hand. Dutch Sheets. Raise it high. When we began ministry, Dutch Sheets was a pastor. God raised him up to be a prophet, has written a number of books. One of them was called Intercessory Prayer. That book has changed the prayer lives of, of a pile of people. Partway into Dutch Sheets' ministry, God laid upon him and said, Dutch, he had a church of 600 people. He said, Dutch, going into this fall, he goes, I want you to cancel all the ministries of your church. I don't want there to be anything going on in your church. No kids' ministries, No, no whatever. I want you to call your church to prayer. I want you to awaken the reality of the power of prayer in your church. Dutch said, in obedience, he did. He went to the church. He laid upon the church what God gave him. He said, they canceled all the ministries. And he said, he called the church to prayer. He said, an amazing thing happened. He said, within three months, the church went from 600 people to 200 They lost two-thirds of their church because the church did not want to pray. The church did not believe that prayer ministry was as effective as having a youth group or having a seniors ministry or having a, or having a, or having a 200 people. It's going, God, what's going on? I was obedient. I did what you said. I canceled the ministries. We called the church to pray. And the church is shrinking. God goes, just wait. The chaff are burning off and I am raising up the 200 that will change the city, that will change the ministry. And that's exactly what happened. The church was called to prayer. And those who began to pray Recognize the impact of it. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to stand up. I don't want you to identify in any way. But I want to ask you this. If someone came to you and said, is the effectiveness of your prayer life as powerful as God wants it to be in your Jerusalem, how would you answer I know how I answered, because before you ever hear anything here, it happens in my prayer closet. It happens in my renovation here. God is calling us as a church. We have seen the effectiveness of our intercessory prayer ministry. We have seen the effectiveness of our healing room phone. We have seen the effectiveness of our healing room. We are going to see the effectiveness in our prayer in our Jerusalem. I'm going to have Jane share next week, not this week. Some of you recognize that we are probably entering into the two most critical months, maybe, in our life of world history. There are some people out there, their heads are so far in the sand, they have no clue what's going on in the world spiritually, other than going to work, waking up, coming back home again. They are absolutely veiled. That's not us. We are aware that in the next two months, In September and October of this next year, we're gonna see things unleashed upon the world. We're gonna see things shifting at political levels. We're gonna see things happen that we have never seen before. There is spiritual battles going on. We are aware right now. We talked a little last week about Muslim countries that are joining in relationship with, with Israel in order to protect themselves from what might happen in November. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have never seen that in Christendom before, where Muslims and Jews are coming together because of a fear of what's going to happen globally on November 3rd. Let me just ask straight up. How many of you know what's happening on November 3rd of this year? How many of you just raise your hand? If you don't know, can I say, get to know? probably the most significant end-time election determining what's going to happen in the global economy and environment, spiritually, and in every other way in the world. November 3rd, I wish it was the 8th, that's my birthday, that's when it happened the first time, but it's not, I'm I'm out of control. What's supposed to be unleashed in September of this year? We've just been through round one. They're talking the release of round two. Round two. God has laid upon Jane's heart that we are going to call our body to prayer in the next two months in a consistent, in a solid, in a very focused way in the next two-month period of time, a time of prayer and fasting like we as a church probably have never done before. I want to say this. Nobody is going to force you to do anything. But the opportunity will be there. The invitation is going to come. You will have the ability to respond. You need to know my heart. If we ever slip back into the wheelchair church, I'm done. I'm done. I will not be part of a crippled wheelchair church going into the end time ministry. I I will not do it. you want 80-20 just come see me I'll give you a list you want 100-100 you want to know what part you are we'll help you with that until every member of the body is functioning building itself up in love and accomplishing the purpose for which God has called us in our Jerusalem Any questions about this picture? Any questions? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I want to thank you that your spirit is moving, your spirit is blowing, and we are feeling it. I want to thank you for what happened in this body today. I thank you for the word that it is the beginning of what you are going to be doing in churches all across this nation I thank you today for those churches where your spirit showed up, your spirit empowered thank you that you're already doing it but father we're asking you to do something with this body with this family We are asking that you would prepare our hearts, you would prepare our minds, you would change what needs to be changed to bring us to a place where we are not only walking, we are literally running. Accomplishing the purpose for which you created us, touching our Jerusalem in a way that it has never been touched before. I thank you, Father, as you look throughout this entire body, you see every member, every part of the body. You know its value. You know which part it is. You know what it has been called to do. And you have the grace to make that happen. Would you prepare every heart, every mind? I release a grace over those right now in this building and those online who are resistant to move from the 80-20 Holy Spirit, you are the only one who gives us a will to be obedient. I release a grace over their lives today. I prophetically declare in the name of Jesus that solid rock in Cameros is a hundred, hundred body. I prophetically declare that every member knows which part of the body it is. I prophetically declare that every body part is doing what it has been called to do And I prophetically declare that we are a healthy, functioning body of Christ accomplishing the purpose for which we have been called. I release that in the name of Jesus. I declare to you today what you already know. The Lord has blessed you and he is keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you and he has been gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and filled you with his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and everybody believing said, Amen. God bless your week.